Welcome to episode 100 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's fun to say 100. 100. Episode 100. We did it. We did it. What, Mom, what do I get? <laughs> what prize do I get? Well, okay. Uh, I'm going to throw the teaser out there. We just talked about a prize. So there is something that we're going to talk about, but we're going to save that for the very end of the podcast because we've got a lot of different things to get into today, I think, that are unplanned or undiscussed, but we're going to discuss them. And so, yeah, stick around through the end of this episode. We're going to talk about something special for you guys. There's a lot of you that really like the podcast. We get messages and stuff. Um, so for the diehard fans of Forging the Journey and those who follow Greg and, and myself and our business plan and our plan, our business journey, um, there's something for you at the end of this podcast. So stick around. It's free. Free. 100% takes, free. Takes very little work. You need to, to know your name and you need to know your address. <laughs> you Pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how to send an email? <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna give away all the all the yeah we're gonna we're gonna be all clickbaity and we're gonna we're gonna make you wait till the end details at the end for your free gift yeah but they call it clickbait for a reason i, I guess you know clickbait has kind of like a negative a negative meaning and i guess it's because people are so used to just garbage but for real guys this is you know we just don't want to cover too much time here at the beginning but there is something for you at the end. So stick around. Yeah. So, so what I, what I thought real quick yep. is this is episode 100 and it's super sentimental, super sentimental for me. Mm -hmm. So I thought the best way we could use this podcast is each one of us list out 100 things we learned since we started <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> so I'll start. Should not have started that now. <laughs> so guys uh get some popcorn uh if you're driving drive further <laughs> it's gonna be a four-hour podcast because i have no idea i am joking i am i am truly joking but i do want to touch on that after we kind of dive in a little bit into the world of what we have going on right now and i'm just curious what do you have going on right now greg um, this past week uh, i'm sure you have a lot so why don't you give us a little bit of an update? All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited that our, our our first new product of the year is fully a go. Everything is purchased. Everything is rolling out. I think we can probably launch this <clears throat> product by like the first week of April is, is what I'm expecting. If not, maybe sooner, but we'll see. Depends on how, you know, how quickly we we launch things from when we uh, get all the parts in and get things assembled and that sort of thing, which is also kind of, which I'm just realizing as I'm looking at, at my calendar, uh, I came, my first, I went public with the first Neomag uh, kind of sample piece that I made in a Facebook group. I think it was like Good Friday. It was... It was that, um, it was like the first week of, of April. It was, it was, I just remember it being around Easter because I remember, um, like going to, going to church and everything like that. And in <clears throat> my email and my Facebook was blowing up with people asking about it. So 
it's kind of neat rolling out with another new product about the like exactly five years to the date. So it would have been 2016 is what you're saying. Or was that 2015? That it, you no, did yeah, that it was, post? yeah, it was 2015. It was April of 2015. So I know a lot of people have kind of followed along with us in our journey throughout releasing products, but there might be some new people that jump on on this podcast. So why don't you real quick, just because I'm curious. It's actually six years. I just, I'm like, wait a minute. It's yeah, I was going to say it. If it's 2015, you're six years, but I'm just curious what it, so you have this new product. Nobody knows what this is except your team. I don't even know what it is. And kind of, why don't you walk everyone through like real briefly what that process looked like this year? Uh, I think that might help some people out um, rather than yes. diving back, fif- you know, 50 podcasts ago. Right. Well, I mean, do you, do you want me to talk about like the adventure of the Neomag? Or this, no, no, no. I'm just this, this new secret product. You don't have to tell us what it is, but just kind of the 30,000 foot view. What did the process look like? Um, kind of getting that from creation until now. Yeah. So this product, it, it's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be a hundred percent. Um, I, I guess clear. That's a better word for it. But this product isn't like the revolutionary type product that the Neomega is. So, um, but it is going to be an important product for us, both in that it it uh, it really came from that it supports one of our other products. I'm going to say that um, it's something that people have been they always ask about. So instead of pointing them elsewhere we are going to start producing it and we kind of are putting our own twist on, on the product. So that's extremely vague, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's basically, it's just, it's a product that we need. It's a product that supports one of our other products. And, um, and so we had talked to a few other companies about, um, you know, about, stocking their product and it just it just didn't work out for one reason or another so we went down the path of well let's let's do our own and and just like the other just like the other products we have it's it's uh i don't want to do the same thing as as other companies and there's always a place for that there's a place for you know we can do the same thing but better type of thing I don't want to do the same thing, but better. I want to do the the same thing, but different. And so, um, I mean, you know, we, we went through, I'm trying to remember when we started this product I, idea. This one's fairly, fairly quick. This is maybe six months. I think we, about six months ago, I think we started this and which could be longer. I don't have any sense of time right now, but, um, but we went through a few rounds of, of prototyping and talked to some other people who do, who have done product, um, who have done similar product uh, design and uh, that sort of thing. Got some feedback, and you know, we, we've we've gone through a handful of updates and revisions and stuff like that. And we just got to a point where we're like, yeah, I think this is, I think this is good. Um, like I, you know, like I said, it's not exactly completely reinventing the wheel, but it is our version of the wheel, if you'll 
So have you found, you know, and I guess I can answer from my seat as well. I have found over time that many of these products that are complementary to my other products that we have in the company, they tend to evolve at this point a little quicker than I remember back in the day. I mean, is that kind of the same thing that you experience at this point? It depends on the product It because it's the Neomag happened really fast. Um, I came out with the first version of it pretty quick and it took about another year or two. Uh, I had made some updates and changes to and stuff like that based off of customer feedback and and to what it is today and what it's been for the last few years so um but i have another product that i'm that is looking like it's going to be a fall release and this product it's probably two years in the works just because it's been really difficult it's been that i have a vision for this product and i have I don't want to compromise on on what it does, and that's made it very difficult. And it's been like I'm super excited to get this product out because it's really been a long labor of love, um, and the and, and some of the stuff that we're sourcing, like I still have yet to cut a PO for because I just need to make sure that it is what we need it to be because I have to write a check for like 20 some thousand dollars in, in tooling. And is it like 18 weeks of lead time on it and stuff like that. So, um, and that's why it's looking at least like a fall, like a fall release for it. Um, so yeah, it depends on the product. I, it, if there's a product that I have like a real clear cut idea for, this is really funny. So guys, uh, Greg just cut out a random section of the podcast because he accidentally leaked. <laughs> I just said it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, get back to where you right. were. So, just don't say the product. <laughs> so, this product is fairly straightforward. So, it was it, it was pretty easy to come up with the, the 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 main structure of it. There's only so much you can you can do. So, it is what it is. But uh, but the parts that like there's a there's a custom injection molded part on this and that's time that's been time consuming and there's a couple other features to it that 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 that, that we had to figure out because nobody else is doing so uh so this this project yeah it's it's taken a little bit longer um than what it could have been if it was just like a straight up simple product so yeah i that's kind of a it's kind of a long answer to depends on what the product is. If it's something that we can make in-house and it's fairly simple, I, I, I could turn around a product in, in a couple of weeks. But if it's something that's more complicated and we have to outsource stuff, then it adds time and complexity. For sure. Uh, you know, we're working on a product right now that I'm super, super excited about. And I've teased a little bit on the, the uh, TA Instagram page. Uh, it's uh, a very unique target system that we've been playing with. So the, the thing that I've realized is it's usually pretty easy for us to get the product prototyped now, especially because, you know, we got this new press break. We can make the parts in-house, all the bracketry and stuff. Uh, so getting the product made for us now is very simple. What I've found 
as we've gone forward as a company is I actually take intentional pauses with these products. And what I mean by that is, so I have multiple products that could drop right now. The problem is I want to get them into people's hands and get feedback and content and get the marketing squared away. So I guess I'm finding that we can create more quicker depending on the product, of course, but we take intentional pauses to really gauge our audience, to try to game plan marketing better now, to really get feedback from real people who are going to be using it and figure out where does this thing fit in the world of shooting. So it's a, it's a cool journey. I think that we've learned a lot and there's like with target systems, anything silhouette target related, we have core principles that our ADAP system created and it's now a standardized set of expectations on our entire line of targets. So really when we start building a silhouette, it ends up being, or at least, you know, it has traits of our ADAP system in its blood. So like there's tried and true concepts that we have that we know that are going to work without even testing as we're getting through the first design phases. But yeah, I was just curious because we also have products that are completely outside of the realm of what people know us for. And those are going to take a lot more time. And some of that is simply how do we reach people if we're doing a product that is different, that's not firearm related. That's, yeah, you know, and, and that's honestly in a, in a lot of ways for me coming up with the idea and figuring out how to make it is pretty straightforward. Um, it can be hard. It's not like it's easy to figure out and engineer different products, but it's, not the hardest part sometimes for me. Um, but that's cool. That, that's exciting. Um, you know, having the, having that, you know, in your forethought, having products that, you know, people know nothing about is cool. It's a cool feeling to know that you're going to be expanding more and, and we're going to be expanding more in our product line this year. Yeah. And, we, and we've kind of talked about that more at length the last few podcasts. We don't really need to get you know, too far into the weeds on it, but it's, it's just, uh, it's also a really important thing for us to, for us to do. And that's what kind of what we talked about more last week. I think it's just, it's important for us to, to add, to add more products to our line. Um, and just, you know, be able to generate more income off of more products is, is gonna, is only going to do, do more for us over time. So. Uh, and I yeah. think it's a relevant conversation because, I have you know friends in various industries and you know, we've talked about it, like you said, a bunch of podcasts, but I think it's something that's just in everybody's head. Like I can feel that conversation, just seeing what companies are doing, especially in the firearm world is, is figuring out that diversification. So I think that's a relevant conversation. And I, I think it's an important thing to keep in our forethought figuring out, you know, what are we going to do to supplement our products? What are we going to do to stay relevant? What are we going to do to reach people and make sure that we're being seen? And that's a, a big deal. Um, but it's also a lot of work. It's a lot of back end stuff, but this week for us on our end, it's just been one thing after another good stuff, but extremely, extremely time consuming. Um, a lot of 
like, I don't know if the word administrative is the right word, but a lot of administrative stuff on my end, doing things that take me away from marketing, but we have some really big opportunities that, you know, are just too big to, to pass up on. So I had to pull my attention a lot left to right back and forth all over the place this past week. And, you know, some of this stuff we can't really talk about, but we have some really big jobs that I think are really, really, really high likelihood of happening in the next month. And if I get these two jobs in the next month, those two jobs alone will allow us to probably double our staff if we want to. They're that big that if we wanted to flip a switch and scale, this gives us the opportunity to flip the switch and go. Um, so that's why we've put all hands on deck and we've had our team just grinding through these uh, different uh, proposals that we're working on. So it's a, a little bit different, but again, we've invested in capabilities that we have here at the shop now. And so we can pursue some things that previously we, we were not able to pursue. So among those things, uh, we have a bunch of different products that I've been working on behind the scenes. One of which, like I said, is, well, two of them are ready to release, really. I'm just waiting for finished products. Once they're finally finished, the brackets are already made. But once the plates and everything else is, is manufactured um, and the new paint comes in, because these are going to be a different color than what people are used to seeing, which will be really fun for me as a, a visual creator. I'm really excited to have something that looks different. And um, once that's done, I got to get these into the hands of a couple shooters to get a bunch of feedback and, and let them use it for a couple weeks and kind of figure out where does this, you know, I know personally for me where I would use this product and I know where it would help me as a shooter, but I want to get that feedback from other people. And then just a bunch of different outside the industry products that we're grinding through this past week. Uh, one cool thing that really, it took off and it's super exciting to see. I don't know if you saw, but warrior poet now has their own branded firebox yeah. that we manufacture. <clears throat> so those things took off like crazy. Um, so we have been just pumping those things out left and right. And it's just really neat to see. And it's neat to see for a couple of reasons. One, because we have a partnership with warrior poet and John Lovell and Evan, and, and those guys are good guys. Uh, but number two, it shows you the power of a brand and building a really solid brand because the firebox is the exact same as what we make for our customers. And we sell them all the time. You know, we have them going in and out all the time, but when we put those warrior poet logos on now they're flying and it's, it just shows you the power of branding. If your company, I don't want to say is run right, but if that's a core, um, a core goal of yours is to build a, a company that can market and can grow and be huge. Um, it just shows you the power of that brand. So that's really neat. And I'm really excited for that relationship. And I'm excited to navigate other relationships because of the, the proof of concept that we've had with warrior poet. Um, and that's just, it's such a neat, it's such a good feeling to have a product that, I'm not personally grinding constantly to market. 
it's cool to see products that other people, you know, it's helping other companies, but they believe in it to the point where they are marketing it. And now both companies are winning. Um, the downside of, of that for anybody listening is just that you, you end up splitting margins. Um, so just at the bare bones level, you end up making less money on the product at your company. But if you can sell multiple times more of that product than what you could on your own or, or whatever, I mean, you're winning and you're also getting your name out there. You're helping, you're building a relationship, a partnership. Um, so it's stuff that excites me. One thing that happened this last week, which really drives me crazy is steel prices. I don't know if that has hit you guys or if you've noticed, um, what's going on, but it is ridiculous yeah. right now. And, you know, it, it, it caught me off guard in one way. So we stock a ton of armor in the shop, tons like racks of this stuff. So when steel prices go up on that material, we have a cushion. We can run for six to nine months on the inventory that we have to make the actual target plates. But we found ourselves getting into a position where we're a little bit complacent with our mild steel, the A36 steel plate, because it, it's so plentiful and there's so much of it around. And it was always whatever, 50 cents a pound. It was super cheap. Um, so we didn't stock nearly as much of that because we could call the mill and I could get a truckload in two days. Now that's going to change because of this experience. It's inexpensive enough that we can afford to stock more of it than the armor. And it only makes sense because that's, that's how we protect from inflation. Um, and that's what we're seeing right now. Now I think that it's going to trend down from the data I'm seeing and I talked to a couple mills and they kind of laid out what's going on, but that's the stuff that kind of catches you off guard when you're, you know, you're trying to create these products, you're trying to keep your costs where they are. Um, and for example, the, the products like the firebox are very material intensive. They're not very labor intensive. So when your material goes through the roof, you end up, your costing now goes up whatever percent that material jumped up by. So a little bit of a wake up call for me personally. And I know it was for Ethan as well. He was stressed out and trying to figure out solutions. Um, and we did end up finding a solution. Our costs did still go up, but we were able to manage that somewhat. And most of that's because we just bought that big table and we can run bigger sheets. So even though the material price went up through the roof, we picked up a bunch of efficiency in the nesting program and because of that, we're a little bit protected from that inflation. But man, that's just stuff that hindsight's twenty twenty. Like if you have cheap cheap material that you use a lot of, it's like why why wouldn't why didn't we stock more of that? And now I'm like, okay, well we're gonna have forty, fifty sheets of this stuff just because it's cheap. Like why not stock it? So I don't know. I know we're not alone in that. There's a lot of different manufacturing that got hit. I know lumber buildings. Yeah, lumber is insane. We just, <clears throat> I had my guys build a couple uh, more workbenches that we needed around here. That's why I sent them over to Lowe's. Thirteen dollars for a two by four. Yep. Ridiculous. That is insane. <laughs> well, and this is stuff we got to worry about with our. You know, when you look at the economy, and you see this inflation, 
it affects every single aspect at some point. Like it's not like, oh, lumber's just going to go up, so steel's fine. Um, now, interesting tidbit of information. Now, I do not know how much, like I'm not an expert, um, but I talked to a couple mills with the steel and they were saying that when the pipeline got shut down, uh, Keystone pipeline, that was, there was a huge demand for steel for that pipeline. And different mills, at least the mills in our area, were ramped up to almost 85% capacity to keep up with production on projects like that. When that got pulled, they backed down to 60% capacity. And so now you have a demand level that's higher than the material being produced. And it's not necessarily that demand is higher for the material. It's just that less material exists and prices go up. So they're limiting how much material we can buy at one shot. They're limiting everything across the board. Now our armor, again, is somewhat protected from that because we have stockpile of it. But even that, you know, if, if the prices don't drop down in six months, that's going to be a potential problem. Um, but it's just stuff that like in 2015, we started out, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that, Oh, these are things you have to watch out for, you know, pay attention to the politics and the economics because your material prices could go through the roof. Like it's just stuff that you just learn as you go. And I guess that's okay. Sometimes I wish I had more data on hand, but yeah. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully for us, even even with um, even with material prices going up and stuff, our product is so small, and we get so many pieces out of such a small amount of of you know of bulk bulk pieces that it's usually not. So far, it's not been a big deal to kind of. I mean, that you can't ignore that there's a there, there's a rising cost, um, but it's not been a big deal for us to be able to kind of eat some of that cost, just because it's. I mean, because we're we're talking about pennies usually, um, but it is something that that, that I'm kind of keeping my eye on this to see what the see how it's going to look in the future. Because I really don't want to raise the price of our product, but I also got a company though run so and that's the downside of a product like mine is it's extremely high cost materials um, if people knew what goes into a steel target and the margins that are there they'd be like whoa like that's not what i would have expected that is it's a very exotic plate that we use for the armor and all of our products are very big so when you know, if a steel if steel prices go from fifty cents a pound to ninety cents a pound, that's a massive increase. And our product being big means that you know, on that sheet, if you get fifty pieces and that's it, and you have a material cost doubling, you're effectively doubling that that cost of that product. And many people know that you know we sell like a mini adapt for example is 240 bucks or whatever 248 bucks for a half inch mini so when you start doubling the material costs it's not absorbable so again it's a good it's a good thing with the armor and a lot of our heavier plate that we stock so heavy and we produce so far ahead you know things like our our bases, we manufacture them in quantities that hold us over for usually three months. Um, so it's not an immediate 
you know, I, I suspect that by spring, summer, based on the data I received, that they'll kind of level out. We're kind of at the peak and they'll level out. Again, I'm not an expert. This is just data that's being passed on to me and I'm just watching some trends. But time will tell. I mean, there's plenty of time for crazy stuff to happen in our world that will drive prices up again. <clears throat> that's the hard part. I'm not even, I haven't really had a chance to look into, but do you know why lumber prices are, are going up? That, I don't know. I, I mean, I would suspect, so for example, all of the contractors in our area are booked for like the next year and a half. So with COVID and people working at home, I know for a fact that building additions and renovations and houses went through the roof. So naturally my gut says with the lumber aspect, that's demand. Now, right. the, the second thing that probably happened is lumber mills probably shut down um, or had limited staff at least for a little bit of time and probably weren't at capacity when COVID kicked off. And whenever you do that, you'll have a bubble. You know what I mean? You'll have right. this period where you still have stock, but now this bubble of demand increases and it's going to pop. And so now you're going to have a supply and demand issue. So again, that's just my speculation, but I think for that, the demand is just through the roof. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, if depending on where the lumber comes from for Home Depot, like it may not even be U.S. lumber. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Uh, maybe there were, you know, other <clears throat> restrictions or added costs to freight. I just I know that with all the money that's being printed, all the stimulus stuff, we are inflating a, a fiat currency already. And uh, it, I, I don't know. It's going to get weird, I think, at some point. But, you know, I, speaking of that, this is totally random, but it kind of puts it into perspective a little bit. I looked up the other day what the average income was in 1971. What would you guess the average? In, just throw a number. Just guess. In what year? 1971. Probably like 25000 Okay, the average income was around $10,500 a year. Jeez. Now listen, here's the funny thing. So and since then, generally the dollar, that was a single, uh, it was a single income household usually. Now get this. Here's where here's where inflation. This is this is a basic economics for people. Since 1971, the dollar has inflated about 700. percent So in 1971, $10,500 equals about $70,000 in today's dollars. So like it, it seems like nothing, but I looked up the average or the median income right now for America is like around 58,000 or 60,000. So it actually is down. Um, but it's like, it's these things that like, I never, never cared about. I never gave a crap about any of it. And I still, I'm very naive and very ignorant to a lot of it. So again, anybody listening, please don't take this as Jared's economic lesson because I could be wrong. Full disclosure, but it's just stuff that like I'm trying to figure out because I'm realizing that as we scale, it's a problem because now we're using more material. We used to buy material that would last us for a year. Well, now that's lasting us three months. And so the supply chain issues and all that other stuff are just kind of revealing themselves. And I don't think we'll have an issue in 2021, but the writing is on the wall that we have to kind of refine some of these systems now so that in 2022, 2023, 24, you know, as we're scaling more and more, we don't have actual crisis, uh, 
crises popping up and stopping what we need to be doing. But anyway, that's where I'm at. This past week has just been ridiculous. Uh, really good stuff. We had some interviews that I think are really promising. And, you know, although times are crazy, we are moving forward with adding to our team. Then uh, I, I think that that's going to – I know for a fact that it's going to allow me to focus on the things that I need to focus on so I can delegate these things properly and continue to be steering the ship for the company, which I find that I don't have enough time to do currently. Yeah. That's, that's definitely important to do. That's something I've, I've been able to do just with the hires that I've made in the past six months, really. <clears throat> I have basically hired out everything that takes me away from what I should be doing. Uh, so I just, I feel a new sense of freedom. Uh, I, I mean, I almost feel like I'm back to, um, I mean, not even year one, because a year into this, I was doing everything myself, but I feel like I'm back to what it was like when I came up with the Neomag where, where I had time to, to create stuff. So that's basically what I spend most of my time doing is either creating and working on, on products or creating, working on content. Which is actually really nice. Me and Dusty, uh, yesterday we had like a 50, it was like 55 degrees yesterday. Uh, I mean, sandwiched in between two days in the 30s. In fact, right now it's kind of, it's almost snowing outside. Um, but it was like 50 something yesterday. So I said, Dusty, we are going to the range. We have not, I, I don't think we have been to the range to film and make content since late summer last year. Jeez. Yeah, I don't think, because then... <clears throat> Did you have to give Dusty an updated firearm safety class <laughs> to make sure no NDs? <laughs> we had, uh, well, and I, I brought very little ammo, because I'm like, it, it's, it sucks, man. It We used to be able to go to the range, and we'd spend the first half hour, hour just shooting and working on our skill set, making sure that we're, that we're staying proficient and... You know, work on accuracy, work on moving and stuff like that. And just with with ammo prices, I feel like we need to stick to our our film, you know, like our, our, our content list and just shoot what we need to. And that takes the fun out of the range day <laughs> a lot when you're it, you know, before you just stuff mags and went, I, I wouldn't even really think about it. I could stuff mags and just think about shooting. And now I feel like I'm thinking about stuffing mags and not shooting. It's funny because people now feel like I used to feel when I shot 300 blackout all the time. Yeah, exactly. Cause, Cause my subsonic blackout was always, I used to run thousands of rounds through that. There was 60, you know, 60 cents around 70 mm -hmm. cents around. Um, so like I still get my training in, I don't care. Like to me, the skill set is worth the time. And I have a whole, Dude, I'm scripting out a whole series of content around this. Yeah. So I'm super excited to release that. Um, because if we value the skill, we need to keep training. And it's just a matter of how do you budget that and how do you... For sure. You know, and you guys did. You did exactly what I'm talking about where, okay, now, yeah, there's less fun in games, but you're still getting out and you're still doing something 
with the ammo and selfishly the hard the hard part for me is my product requires that you know yeah. like if if people completely stop training and shooting there's you know wh- why are you going to buy a steel target and right. you know that's my job to figure out how to cultivate the market and sell the product and there's plenty of people out there that have tons of ammo like i said i pulled our our following multiple times and our following like last time i i got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of answers for i have 4000 rounds or more per caliber and so it's like these people have enough to shoot and it's a matter of showing people in my mind what does that look like because just like i said in a previous podcast like most people don't have a great personal finance plan mm-hmm. and if they don't have a personal finance plan they're not going to have a training plan it's just typically they go hand in hand so i don't know it's my job to figure that out but it is something that i'm you know years ago i wouldn't necessarily have have guessed that in 2021 that's going to be a major topic of of conversation i mean yeah. even i feel like i guess the last time i really saw this was the obama era yep that's one but i i didn't have a business in the firearm industry you know i guess that would have been 2016 was when trump got elected right yeah so we would have been building you know just starting right at the end um and i and think I, it was like a fresh new frontier though in the yeah. gun industry that's the thing yeah and, and i think and maybe, it was maybe it'll be like that in four years who knows so it would have been like 2008 right when obama was first elected his first term i remember 2012 was when ammo went ridiculous because i had just gotten into i got my first handgun i had a shotgun and i just remember i had to go to walmart it was the only place that had ammo i had to go to walmart and i would be they limited one box per person and i would go there and buy one box of 38 special and like i still to this day have like two or three thousand rounds of 38 special because that's like the only handgun i had and i'm like i just i have to have ammo for this thing what if the apocalypse happens and now looking back i'm like 38 special apocalypse (laughs) really (laughs) but yeah that's well and that's one i bought my first ar-15 in november of uh would have been 2011 so right before i guess it would have been a I guess it would have been right before Obama was was reelected, I guess. And and we were in a time just like this. Like I, I bought the rifle, there was a crazy long line um of everybody trying to get one and you couldn't find mags, you couldn't find ammo. I think I got one mag. I think the gun shop was was saving some mags and ammo and stuff. And yeah, I think I bought another, must've bought another handgun around that time too, because I remember buying the handgun and asking if they had any ammo. And they said that, that they were holding some in the back to, um, to, you know, you could buy one box of ammo with the gun. So, and it was because of that time when I, um, of, of going through that, that I'm like, I'm going to, it's, you know, once ammo came back and, and it was everywhere and prices kind of came back, it came down a little bit and, and it, it never goes back down to what it, what it was before, but it goes back down. Um, I spent the next eight years 
or so just buying as much ammo as I could. If I went, if I went and I shot, um, I don't know, 500 rounds that day, I would buy a thousand rounds because I, because I wanted to double back what I shot. Like I, I, I never wanted to go in the deficit of, of ammo. So I've got, I've got a good, I have a good amount of ammo, but at the rate that, that we shoot or we can shoot, I go through, I, I think, I think me and Dusty were looking, I think in 2019, just for the business between training and content and stuff, I think we, we went through probably 10,000 rounds. So, you know, for some people having 4,000 rounds is a, is a stockpile for a few years for us. If we, if we were to go and shoot and, and, and train like we, like we want to, then like I need more than 10,000 rounds, you know? Now last year we barely got out and, and shot. I think we, I think we maybe went through a couple thousand rounds last year just because of, of how crazy of a year was at the business. We just didn't have time to go to the range. And quite frankly, we didn't need to make the content to sell the product. It was, it was going nuts. So. Yeah, it's, it's just stuff that I'm keeping my finger on the pulse of. And I can tell you one thing, if you look back the last few administrations, except that what they called the Trump slump during Trump's administration, I think, I don't think at all during that period, there's really scares of firearms or whatever, but pretty much every four years, you end up getting these scares that radically affect the gun industry. And I am committed to not forgetting what this is like right now. No. Because the next time this stuff starts popping off, we're going to have like 300,000 rounds here. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I'm no. serious. I will have pallets of ammo beforehand specifically to ride us through four years of potential ammo crisis. And, you know, I hindsight's always 2020, but we could have done that. We pulled and we did. We pulled the trigger on fifty thousand plus rounds back in spring of twenty twenty, um, and that was still easy. But obviously now, if you wanted to buy fifty thousand rounds, you'll get laughed at. Um, that's nothing. That's not even enough to. You know, you can't even go to a manufacturer to try to get that. They'll just laugh at you because um, yeah. now, like, they have their components now. That's the. That's the thing. A lot of them have the primers, bullets, powder, cases. It's just everything's inflated. Demand yeah. is super high. Mm-hmm. Um, is what it is. It's just like steel. I mean, it's the cost of doing business here in the gun industry. And, you know, every four years, just remember that. If you're in the gun industry, every four years, this stuff is – and it doesn't matter who's going to be elected. There's – you know, everybody gets freaked out during the – the year of the election season. And as soon as the words gun control come out, it just, everything goes haywire. So. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen a run on mags yet. Cause they're hey. still, they're still plentiful and cheap. So I think that's, that's going to happen. Well, it, and it's, so the moment there's actually, well, number one, our president has to actually get up and speak. That'd be the first thing. That's a joke. 
<laughs> number two, uh, he'd have to utter the words high capacity magazine ban. Well, um, that's all that all those words are in they're in the bill and the resolution. Okay. Yeah. But he hasn't mentioned it. And that, yeah. that's the thing is like it requires a figurehead to come out and start really pushing it. And Obama was like hardcore on camera pushing it like gun control, gun control, gun control, gun control. Like it was in your mind. Um, like it's there, but I just feel like the media is not quite saturated with it quite yet. Um, there's still a lot of COVID stuff talking about there's stimulus, there's all this other crap going on. And it's, I think the gun control thing's taking a back seat right at this moment. I'm not saying that they won't talk about it. So yeah, I mean, like, again, the, here's the, here's the writing on the wall. If you need mags, get mags because you know, they will be hard to get at some point. Yeah. Um, I fortunately ordered tens of thousands of them back years ago, sold them to buddies and friends and kept a ton for myself. And I really don't need magazines, but I mean, no, I can buy more. Mags too, but it's still one of those things. Like it, and this is, this is what's happening to ammo is there's people with like the mindset that I was just going to say is I've got, got plenty of mags, but still when I see a 10 pack of mags pop up for under $10 a mag, Part of me thinks, like, ooh, it's only um, hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah, it I would should, be nice. You know, it doesn't hurt to have more because what if something happens and they and they get banned and then you can't get them and and then I'm gonna wish I had more. You know, so it, it's that same thing happens with with ammo and that's why that's why ammo prices are gone nuts because between new gun owners and civil unrest and and the talk of of gun control coming, you, you throw that all those things in there. And then, and then you have people thinking, Oh, maybe that, maybe the 5,000 rounds I have isn't enough. Cause what if something happens on any more? So it's a, it's the same thing. So yeah, yeah. a weird reality, but you know, one of the things that kind of moving off of, we kind of got into a lot of tangents here, but one thing that I thought would be really cool if we did, and I'm throwing a total curveball to you, I kind of had a little bit of time to think about it. Um, so I can definitely go first if you want, but this is episode 100 of this podcast. And a lot of things has, uh, many things have changed in the last two years or so. So I was just sitting here this morning through all the craziness as I was bouncing around a different, you know, in a couple meetings this morning. Um, what were three things that either I've learned or have changed since we started this podcast and I'm not going to go super in depth with this and I don't care, Greg, because like I said, I threw you a total curveball. I can do this. Um, one of the first things that I've learned is to enjoy the struggle. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've had, you know, just take employees. We've had employees come, we've had employees go, we've had to let people go. We've had good decisions, good investments, We've had horrible investments where we lost money and that stuff still stresses me out being hundred percent honest. It's not like the stress is gone, but I was on the phone with uh, one of our guys, Perry, as we're working through one of these big projects. And I told him yesterday, it's like, yes, this is stressful, but 
I enjoy this aspect. Like I feel fulfilled because I have to apply so much energy into this business. So that's one thing I've learned is just enjoy that struggle, enjoy the process. Um, and the second thing is everything's going to change and it's going to change unpredictably and that's okay. And part of my job is, you know, my position where I'm at in the company is knowing that things are going to rapidly change sometimes randomly without being able to predict. It's my job to be okay with it and figure out the plan. Um, and it's okay to be scared in that moment. It's okay to, you know, not have the perfect plan to react, but just to know that when you think, when you're getting complacent and you think things are going to just be what they are, they won't, they will change. Um, and the third thing is kind of something that's been reinforced over the last two years. And it's something I truly believe in. And if there are new, new business owners out there uh, listening to this podcast, this hopefully kind of impacts you. You don't have to have it figured out to get started. And I know for a fact, somewhere in the last hundred episodes, we've talked about this. A lot of people think that you have to create the plan, create the business plan, create the product, create the strategy, hire the people and execute. The reality is most of us don't have it figured out. We didn't have it figured out. We learned as we went. We made mistakes. We lost money. We made bad moves, bad investments, hired the wrong people. It, it, you learn as you go and it's okay. It is okay to, and in fact, I think that we're better for it in a lot of ways. I think that why our businesses are scaling is because we had to learn as we go. You know, we didn't have these preconceived notions of, I need to do this thing and this is going to happen. You know, we are learning as we go. So there's a lot of people that don't start because they're waiting to have the perfect plan. The perfect plan is the one that you have. And when you start, you start learning. Um, not guaranteeing that that means that your plan is going to work, but there's no guarantee our current plans are going to work. Um, even right now where our companies sit, like, are we getting more secure in some aspects? Sure. But in some aspects, we're less secure where there's more risk. There's people involved. There's families involved. There's a lot riding on decisions that we make. So I don't know. That's buried in these last hundred episodes is just struggle, change, growth, failure, uh, pain, success, happiness, fear, you know, I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I mean, that sums up everything really well. I'm not sure there's a whole lot more I can add to that. Um, I think, I was trying to kind of jot down, you know, three things. I'm not sure I can. Yeah. And uh, I feel bad because I, you know, I'm sure I can, but, um, at you. but yeah, it, I think so to be transparent, you and me talk maybe every three months about ending this podcast. We're like, we don't have a ton of listeners. It takes up, um, hours out of our week that we don't have a lot of, that we don't have enough hours in to begin with. Um, but the thing that we kind of keep coming back to with it is that is that we have just our conversation back and forth has has value and we have learned things over over the last 100 episodes that have helped us individually that has helped us with our in our business and 
if I had the time, I could definitely go back and give you exact, um, like exact examples of that. But just in in general, there's um, just kind of some general thoughts that 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 first popped in my head is that is that it's helped me realize that that this is this is you know hence the name of the podcast. This is a journey. It's not a sprint. Um, you know, it's, you, you aren't, you shouldn't be worried about today and not worried about tomorrow. You should be, I don't want to use the word worry. You shouldn't be planning for today, but you should be planning on what is my business, um, looking like in the future, what am I working towards? And then, and then do that today. You know, what do I need to do today to, to accomplish what I want to in the future? Um, and I think for those who have listened since the beginning or, or even somewhat recently, I think, I think the trend that you'll hear over the last hundred episodes is like you said, it, you said it really well, so I don't, I'm not going to take a bunch of time to read, to re-say it, but you're going to hear the journey and, and, even though you could probably sit down and listen to a hundred episodes in in a hundred hours, what you're really listening to is a couple years of of that journey. So there's it's it's good for me to do this podcast because it it allows me to to each week kind of dissect what's going on this week and what we're working towards in the next next week really. <clears throat> and then to be able to think through or or go over topics and thoughts of what what we're dealing with that's that is a bigger picture type of thing so um yeah i mean it's just it and i'll be transparent again i would love if we had a lot more people listening to this to to build this community and and i would love to hear more from the community of what's going on in their lives and their businesses and stuff and and that's something that, that we've talked about that we just need to somehow figure out how to do that better. Because um, we basically sign on for an hour each week, record it, edit it, post it up, and then we don't really do much more for the podcast after that. So it's our own it's our own fault why this isn't bigger because um, we're because we're we're trying to grow a business and and uh, and so that's really our our focus. But that's why this podcast is you know continues to go on because it's been valuable to us and and our hope is that our our conversation and the value to us will also be valuable to those who listen and for those who do uh, you know who do message us uh, you know thank you so much for uh, you know for the message that you do send and your encouragement and it's it's definitely cool to hear from from people uh, that this is valuable to them that's that's really what keeps us going. Yeah, I have people now connecting to my personal Facebook page, shooting me messages, just saying that they appreciate the conversation and um, the stuff that we have going on over here. So it is hard because as as we try to build these businesses, like we have to allocate our time to what gives returns. But I would agree that just the conversations help me process personally. So selfishly talking out loud allows me to 
you know, I take notes during the podcast. I'm talking about things. It, it gives me ideas and clarity. And I have this written note form of this, ep- this podcast, every single episode is written down. Um, but also we have this audio. It's like a time machine, you know, it's like this, yeah. it's like, it's like we are cataloging this journey up to this point. So selfishly, it helps me as well. And I do hope that it helps other people. And because this is episode 100 and we're getting to the end here um, of this particular episode, we put some clickbait at the beginning. Greg, do you mind if I explain? Nope, do it to it. So guys, this is episode 100. This is 100 episodes into this journey um, over the past couple years of grinding through these businesses and building them. So what we wanted to do was give you guys that listen, that are diehard listeners, the opportunity to get a free very limited sticker that all we need for you to do is to email us. So here's how this is going to work. We're going to limit this. So this podcast should get posted this Friday, I think is the plan. So that will be March 5th, 2021. So from that date through the 12th, 2021. So 312, 2021, do us a favor, send an email to my shipping manager and I need to remember to tell him about this. So this is my reminder. Tell Mark about this before this happens. <laughs> Send an email to shipping at tatargets.com. So that's shipping at tatargets with an S.com. Put that subject FTJ100 um, for Forging the Journey 100. Just send us your full name. Make sure you have your address in there. Um, make sure you list your email in that email as well and a phone number because we're going to need that for our system. We're not going to be calling you or anything, but we need that data for our system. And then what I'm going to have Mark do is ship out one of these limited Forging the Journey 100 episode stickers. It's just going to be a cool little vinyl sticker um, as a thank you for tuning to this podcast. It costs you $0, but a little bit of your time and then we will ship those out ASAP. Um, and then it's up to you whether you stick it on something or hang on to it for the future. But I expect there will be a very limited amount of people that actually follow through and do this. But guys, we appreciate you for tuning in and, and paying attention to what we're doing here, giving us feedback, listening to the podcast. And I hope it's providing value to you personally. Yeah. And the plan is, uh, so once Jerry gets all the, Gets all of you guys who who want one on the twelfth. Basically, we're going to shut it off after that, and we're going to order just enough for those. So, um, if you email on the thirteenth, you're going to be too late because we're, yep. we're we're only going to order what we what we need. And and just to clarify, this is not something you hop on a website again. You're not getting on a website and putting an order in or anything like that. You're, you're sending an email to my shipping manager, shipping at tatargets.com with your name shipping address, your email written in that email and a phone number, and we'll get you taken care of. Yeah. Sweet. Hey, bud. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna jump. Uh, guys, we appreciate you. As always, if you can take a couple seconds to leave a rating and review on the podcast and share it with a friend or family member, doesn't matter if they're into business or not. I think there's a lot of life principles that we can take you personally from this podcast. So we do appreciate it. We appreciate you guys spreading the message in the word. Yep. We love you guys and we will talk to you next week. Toodles. See you.